Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Uh, I want to thank you again for all you do as far as listening to the podcast. I believe that this platform is honestly uh, bigger and greater than um, I ever imagined it would be. So I'm so thankful to all of you that uh, do two things, that listen regularly and then let your friends know about it because leadership is a journey. And the only way you can stay on top of leadership is to constantly be learning. And there's a lot of great opportunities out there. But I think this podcast is one of those platforms that gives you an ongoing learning uh, moment in life. And so I'm thankful to each one of you. Uh, Today I want to go old school, and what I want to do is I want to talk to you about leadership according to Psalm 23. Now, um, as a pastor, Psalm 23 is one of those verses that's sort of the uh, ultimate verse in the Bible. People who do not know anything about the Bible have heard Psalm 23. People who may not even have a reference point in God uh, get comfort from Psalm 23. But today I want to look at it from a little bit different perspective. I want to look at it from a leadership viewpoint and to see. I think you're all familiar with it. Uh, The Bible says in Psalm 23 verses 1 and 2, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So let me just take the obvious. Psalm 23 is talking about leadership because it says, He leads me. And one of the things that I've said through the years is this, that we can learn leadership skills from the world, but we can only learn the leadership heart from Christ. And I think one of the things that sort of befuddles people is when they see high-capacity leaders who have great leadership skills, but they do things that are uh, totally unrealistic because they don't have the right leadership heart. Well, Psalm 23 focuses on that leadership heart because it tells us exactly how our Lord and Savior uh, goes about leadership. So what I want to walk you through is I want to walk you through uh, eight principles of leadership uh, that will uh, just sort of help you in your journey and help you to be able to uh, just have a higher capacity. The first one is this. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. That deals with the motive of leadership. And the motive of leadership is simple. You do what's best for others. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Uh, The simple uh, idea is this. Uh, It's not talking about what's best for him. It's not talking about anything that he does for him. In fact, if you are going to be a leader, uh, you have to learn to do what's best for other people. And that's sort of the dividing line. And if you cross that line, uh, you can be a leader, but you're probably not going to be a good leader. In fact, one of the things that's sad is in the history of mankind, there are a lot of leaders. But most leaders are not good leaders. And that is because they don't lead for the betterment of people. They lead because they want to make things better for them. And the whole context here is that he leads so that we can lie down in green pastures. And so as a leader, you know, uh, there are times when it may not be best for you, but it's best for others. It may not be the thing that elevates you, but it helps others. 
It may not be the thing that uh, makes your life easier, but it may make other people's lives easier. And so uh, the motive of leadership is, is the core piece. And the core piece is just simply you always do what's best for others. You always have a reference point. Is this going to help others? Is this going to add to other people's lives? Is this going to make other people's lives? Why? Because it's the statement that I've taught my people for years. When you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. The more you're conscious of you, the less you're going to be able to help people. The more you're conscious of them, the more you're going to be able to help people. And so we all lead from a perspective of a motive. What is it that's best for others? How do I enhance their life for God? How do I enhance their journey for God? How do I position them that they can do what God wants them to do? So the motive of leadership, do what's best for others. It goes on and it says, he leads me beside still waters. Uh, the purpose of leadership is to create an environment of growth, to be in a position where people can grow. I think we've all seen rustic areas uh, that tend to have no vegetation. But there's one place that you see uh, the trees growing and you see the bushes flourishing, and that is uh, by the creek bed, by the river, uh, by the well, uh, where there's waters. And a certain kind of waters, waters that aren't so turbulent that you're able to utilize them. And so uh, the real test of leadership is have you created an environment where other people can grow? Have you created an environment where uh, other people have the possibility of flourishing? Uh, that you are that opportunity where you take people to those places uh, that are calm and peaceful and they get to be able to experience high capacity moments of growth. And even when... Uh, the areas around them may be uh, dry and may be uh, lacking moisture. They're able to grow because uh, you're putting them in the right atmosphere. And what I know is, is that leaders create an atmosphere for growth. I've never been around a leader who didn't compel me to grow. I've never been around a leader who didn't make me think further, think different, and think longer. And those are the keys. As a leader, you create an environment and you create an environment where growth is conducive. And so the motive of leadership, you do what's best for others. The purpose of leadership, you create an environment of growth. Point three, the standard of leadership. Help people during tough times. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. The standard of leadership is, is that leaders are most profoundly needed during the most difficult moments in society's times or in people's times. So whenever life is the toughest for a community or life is the toughest for individuals, uh, that is when leaders are needed. And so uh, the nature of leadership is that leaders excel in crisis. And they're able to help people during those darkest moments, those rawest moments. And in here, that illustration is the, the most profound thing that challenges mankind is the concept of death. That somehow uh, the worst moment in life, uh, a leader's able to affect them and a leader's able to uh, minister to them and assist them. 
And so the standard of leadership, you help people during tough times. You can always tell the size of a leader by the size of the problems people bring to them. If they're bringing you the same problems that they talk to everyone else about, you're probably not a high-level leader. But if they're bringing you the problems they don't talk to anyone else about, then you're a high-capacity leader. Why? Because leaders help people during tough times. That's when people need leaders. In fact, if everything's going great, uh, leadership is probably not at the premium. But when things begin to take a turn and the roller coaster of life begins to take you on an extreme dip, that's when we find out that leaders are needed. So, three concepts. The motive of leadership, do what's best for the people. The purpose of leadership, create an environment of growth. The standard of leadership, help people during tough times. And then it says in uh, verse 4, it says, Your rod and the staff, they comfort me. Uh, the objective of leadership is to give people tools that help them succeed. Now, this is very specific. A shepherd always had his rod. He always had his staff. One end was used to fend off the wild animals. The other one was to be able to take the, the small sheep that got stuck in a bush or uh, be able to uh, pull them closer and to bring you to uh, a, a place of safety. And so what we know about leaders is, is that they bring the right tools to the table. Uh, they, they have the appropriate skill sets to be able to create an environment of success. And so one of the things that a leader is going to do is he's going to open that toolbox. He's going to get out the wrench when he needs a wrench. He's going to get out uh, the screwdriver when he needs a screwdriver. He's going to get out the drill when he needs a drill. And he's going to have or she's going to have the right set of tools. And so you give people the right tools to succeed. Sometimes those tools vary. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, you've got to comfort and just encourage. Other times you sort of have to confront and you have to challenge. Sometimes you're creating uh, understanding of abstract uh, principles and saying, hey, what are the nuances here? And then there's other times when you're dealing with the concrete and you're saying, hey, this is something that every leader has to know. And so from the nuances or uh, the subtleties of leadership to the bottom line of leadership, a leader knows how to bring the right tools. And one of the things that makes someone an ineffective leader is when in every leadership moment, they use the same tool. See, if you're always comforting and never challenging, you create people who many times do not have the spiritual backbone to survive in life. If you're always challenging but never comforting, you create people who tend to become legalistic and, and maybe at times even fearful. And so the objective of leadership is you give people the right tools. Uh, you begin to create that environment of what is needed for success. Some people need an arm around them. Some people need a push. Some people need you to sit down and just uh, tell them something good. Other people need to understand that this is a variation of, of where they need to grow up and they need to get their A game and they need to be better. And so the objective of leadership, give people the tools to succeed. 
The next one, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Uh, the mission of leadership is to address the real struggles in life. Everybody has struggles that are uh, universal that everyone goes through. And there are times when we're in adversarial relationships or we're in adversarial circumstances. And because we're in those particular circumstances, uh, we are sitting there and we are struggling. And so the mission of leadership is to address the real struggles in life. And so um, the, a leader can't ignore reality. And a leader can't allow people to ignore reality. There are moments of conflict. There are moments of crisis. And how do you prepare people for that? It says he prepares a table for them in the presence of their enemies. What is he saying? There is just a moment where you have to deal with, uh, you know, the conflict of life, the crisis of life. Uh, you teach people to be able to handle those moments. You give them the opportunity to handle those moments, and you are creating. So the mission of leadership to address the real struggles of life, we do not ignore reality. We do not let people ignore reality. We don't let people in the name of faith think that somehow faith creates this uh, world that is absent of struggles, absence of problems, absence of circumstance. Uh, you don't do that. Um, the next principle, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. The catalyst of leadership, you have to lead people supernaturally. Now, here's, here's the bottom line. If all I do is offer the natural to people, then I've limited what their lives can be. And what the Bible teaches us is life is both natural and supernatural. And there is a place where you merge those two together. And so what this verse talks about is anointing. And the anointing is that God-given ability to accomplish and to enable an outcome that could not happen without his assistance. And so as a leader, I'm going to teach people natural skills, but I'm going to teach them spiritual responsibilities. I'm going to teach them how to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him that he may direct your path. I'm going to teach him that it's not by might that our best effort fails. Uh, it's not by power. Group identity will not be enough but it's by the Spirit, saith the Lord. And so there's a place where I've got to teach them how to live in this world, but live above this world. I have to teach them how to navigate this life, but with God's life. And so I have to really break down for them John 10.10, 10, that I've come that you might have life, but that you might have it more abundantly. And so the sequencing of, of biblical models to teach people how to cast their cares on the Lord, how to trust entirely on the Lord, how to believe God to enable you to do things that you can't do, to believe that God will assist you in ways that 
He knows you need assistance to help you with your temperament, to help you with your attitude, to help you make radical change in your life that you would be incapable of doing without his assistance. And so uh, teaching people how to live under the presence of God, the anointing of God, and letting that presence become a saturating and enduring quality in their life. For me, it's simple. The Bible sets out a template of marriage. It says that I am to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Now, as a metaphor, that's fine. But it wasn't a metaphor. It is an intense example of how I am to care for my wife. The simple fact of the matter is, is the way Christ loved us was on a level and dimension that seems beyond my reach. He was willing to love us when he wasn't being loved. He was willing to pursue us when he wasn't being pursued. He was willing to think about us when he wasn't being thought about. He was willing to give his best when people were giving back nothing. That's the standard that I'm supposed to communicate to my beautiful wife. But here's the thing. I don't have that capability. I can be thoughtless. I can be heartless. I can say the wrong thing. I can do the wrong thing. But it's only through the divine enabling of God that I can fulfill the most basic duties that God gives me. Of loving Him with all my heart, with all my soul, of all my mind, and all my strength. But then to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Either one of those two clear priorities, I am incapable of delivering a functional model without the enabling of God. And so, putting yourself where as a leader you teach people how to live in His presence, how to walk in His promise, and how every day to depend on Him. So, as leaders, the catalyst of leadership is that you teach people You model for people how to lead supernaturally. The next one, the journey of leadership, where it talks about so clearly that it says that the journey of leadership is that you take people places that are worth going. And what does it say in Psalms? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why do goodness and mercy follow someone? Because they've learned to be good and they've learned to be merciful. And so you take people on a journey. See, most people want to take leadership and turn it into a moment of prayer. But leadership isn't a moment, it's a life. It's a journey. And you have to teach them how to take that journey. And in taking that journey, you teach them how to be good. Because you've taught them that God is good. And you teach them how to be merciful. Because you've learned and taught them that God is merciful. And so the journey of leadership creates an opportunity for them to demonstrate what they have been uh, receiving. They've received goodness, so they're good. They've received mercy, so they're merciful. And therefore, these things follow them. Good things follow 
those people who learn the goodness of God. And so you begin to create that. But ultimately, you have to lead people. And you have to lead people to a destination that is greater and bigger than you've ever imagined. And that destination is this. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you've got to lead people to something bigger than themselves, something bigger than you, something greater than themselves, something greater than you. So very simple principles. The motive of leadership, do what's best for people. The purpose of leadership, create an environment for growth. The standard of leadership, help people during tough times. The objective of leadership, give people the tools to succeed. The mission of leadership, address the real struggles in life. The catalyst of leadership, lead people supernaturally. The journey of leadership, take people on a journey of goodness and mercy. And the destination of leadership, take people someplace that's bigger than you and bigger than them. Those are just leadership principles from Psalm 23. I hope that they help you in your walk of faith. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.